there. After a short break, we're back with our Green Deal podcast, where we look at how we Europeans can manage the green transition that the European Union has embarked on. Today, we're wondering whether we'll soon be saying sayonara to the car. For more and more people, notably younger people, cars are not the status symbols they once were. This is in large part due to the bad rub they get over greenhouse gas emissions, with road transport responsible for almost 30% of the EU's total greenhouse gas emissions in recent years, and private cars accounting for almost two-thirds of this figure. So, could cars soon be a thing of the past? Can Europeans really break their auto addiction and opt for softer forms of transports, such as bikes? To find out, join us on a trip around the block. The trend in the EU is for people to wait longer before learning to drive. There are several factors at play here, including ethical and environmental objections, health and quality of life considerations, the spiraling cost of car ownership and young people's desire to channel their limited income towards housing. Andrzej Burgles, president of the Slovenian member of the FIA and a sociologist and researcher in sustainable mobility, spoke to our colleagues from Slovenian Radio C. It's interesting to look at the millennial generation, Generation Y. A few years ago, the car industry, especially in the US and Europe, was afraid that this group had stopped buying cars. We are talking, of course, about people in big cities. The fact is that young millennials may not have been getting their driving license as soon as they could, but they did later. When? As soon as they had a child, they took their test and bought a car. The question, of course, is whether something similar will happen with Generation Z. But although many young Europeans are delaying or foregoing car ownership, old habits die hard. In Italy, young Eloisa admitted to Radio 24 il sole 24 ore that driving still equates to freedom for many young Italians. Ho preso la patente appena compiuti 19, quindi ho fatto tutto l'iter nel mio diciottesimo anno. I got my driving license as soon as I turned 19. So I went through all the steps at the age of 18. So yes, as soon as I came of age, I started the process of getting a car. Why is this? I wouldn't say I needed a car, in the true sense of the word, because living in Milan, I've always been able to get around quickly and easily using public transport. Having everything at hand, not having to travel more than half an hour to get where I wanted, didn't make a car a necessity for my lifestyle. Nevertheless, when I turned 18, I had this pressing desire to pass my driving test, like most of my friends, because youngsters need their independence, and a car is a symbol of this. For an 18-year-old, for me, it was like, once you know how to drive, you gain independence. If I want to go away with my friends for the weekend, I can just do it. You have a car, you're not dependent on other people to travel, and it makes you feel older in a way più dipendente dagli altri negli spostamenti e questo ti fa sentire in un certo senso più grande. Indeed, according to EU statistics, in 2019, Italy ranked second in the EU behind Luxembourg in terms of private car ownership. But the broader EU picture is no more encouraging, meaning that the prospects for reducing passenger car emissions 
are less than optimistic. Indeed, EU data published in September 2021 shows that overall private car ownership has grown over the last five years in almost all member states, with the car remaining by far the dominant mode of transport in the EU. But a slow and steady shift may be underway. The need to decarbonize transport is taken very seriously in the EU with plans afoot to move towards softer mobility in cities while improving connectivity in more remote areas. In Germany, Jenny Menzel's family of five, who gave up their car in 2018, are proof that attitudes are changing. When they really need four wheels, they now use a car-sharing platform. In an interview with our colleagues from IMS, Menzel says that people put too many psychological barriers in place, which stops them going car-free. The key thing that made it so difficult for us to voluntarily change and get rid of our car was that we couldn't even imagine it, that it would work with children. We always said that we'd have to carry the child seat around. How would that work? And then if we have to go to the doctor and it's raining, how are we going to manage that? When we were forced to give up the car when it was out of service after an accident, we saw how well it can work and what advantages it offers. We had never seen them before. That it's really cool that you can choose the car that you need at that moment. That you can say, today I want to drive an e-car, so I'll get an e-car. But today I can get a bus, so I'll get a bus. You're not aware of these things when you have a car and you're thinking about getting rid of it. Or the freedom you feel when you no longer have to look for a parking space in the evening. Dragomira Raeva from the Environmental Association for the Earth agrees. She told our colleagues from Bulgarian National Radio that getting used to life without a car was simply a matter of motivation and organization. Basically, it's easy for anyone to do. It's a matter of thinking and being organized. You can organize your life so that you don't have to cross town several times a day to carry out your activities and meet your needs. If you are minded to live car-free and stop being addicted to your car, it's simple. I've been doing it for 10 years now, ever since I moved to live in the city. With over 70% of EU citizens living in cities, this is certainly the place to start. Yet there are a lot of other people who live in more remote areas and have to commute in every day. Indeed, 27% of the total distance travelled in Germany is work-related, with this figure rising to 47% in Croatia. And not everyone can find a viable alternative to the car, as one 25-year-old explained to Belgian public broadcaster RTBF. My ex-partner worked in a factory. He had three shift patterns. The last public transport was around 7 or 8 p.m. So when he started at 10 p.m., he had to walk 10 kilometers to work. Then he also finished too early for there to be a bus, so he had to walk 10 kilometers in the opposite direction too. Well, 20 kilometers just to get to work is a bit much. But it's also about lower rents, because rents in the city center are really high. In the countryside it's cheaper, but then you face mobility challenges. We really have to find a balance. Really, the government should find a balance for young workers, because we have to put money aside to live, to eat, and also to learn to drive, which is also essential. Indeed, Pierre Lanois, 
an expert in the sociology of mobility at Belgian University ULB, warns of the risks of social injustice and mobility, something that lay behind France's well-publicized Gilets jaunes protest three years ago. These protests were triggered by a government proposal to raise fuel taxes to fight climate change while failing to consider the impact on some of the least privileged segments of the population. Lanois was speaking to our colleague from RTBF. The people who cannot do without their car, as we know, are often those that do not really have a choice about their place of work, their hours, or sometimes even where they live, with the cheapest housing not always the most accessible without a car. And what we also see is that the people with the highest incomes, the highest positions in the world of work, are also those who have the most means of getting around, for example, with a company car or full reimbursement of their transport costs. Not everyone has these opportunities. So the lower a person's income, the more it costs for them to get around. And the rising cost of the car will in fact widen the gap. Poland has witnessed a significant increase in car usage over recent years, not least because many areas are simply too remote to be covered by public transport. Marek Józefiak from Greenpeace lamented the decline of the country's railways in an interview with Polskie Radio. Over the last 30 years, there has been a real transport revolution in Poland. Road transport has become very popular. The railways, in turn, have become less so. While at the end of the 1980s almost a billion rail journeys were taken each year, in recent years the best results were three times lower. This is a very significant decline for the railways, and the trend is extremely difficult to reverse. Transport exclusion has also deepened, with several million Poles thought to be excluded from transport. If they do not own a car, they actually have a problem getting anywhere, to work, to the doctors or to school. This is a genuine problem for a really large part of our society. But there is hope that even if a return to traditional forms of public transport seems difficult to envisage, alternative mobility options will gain in popularity. Young people may continue to sit their driving tests, but not with a view to buying their own car, suggests Andrei Burgles. The sociologist and researcher on sustainable mobility was speaking to Slovenian Radio C. For Generation Z, by the time they are about 50, let's say, they probably won't own a car anymore, but they still use one. There will be a leap, just like with mobile phones. First of all, if you remember, it was important to buy a mobile phone, but it was expensive. Now we all have a phone, and what matters more than the purchase price is the monthly data allowance. This is what car manufacturers will begin to offer, in other words, monthly mobility packages. So you can have one car, which you pay for every month, according to your mileage. Or you can have several cars that you switch around. In short, there will be a variety of packages, as there are today for mobile phones. This doesn't mean that the shared mobility will lead to a fewer cars, 
or that there will be far fewer cars, but they will be organized in a different way. In Lithuania, our colleagues from Ginura Diaz interviewed avid cyclist Raimondas Kazlauskas, who believes that bikes will play a leading role in our future mobility. He stresses, though, that governments must be prepared to take brave steps to kickstart real change. One such step is to make radical improvements to cycling infrastructure. Lithuania is a case in point. Compared to the Netherlands, we have a long way to go, as we are still more used to regular cars. In Lithuania, in Vilnius itself, other cyclists and I could agree that there are already a lot of cycle paths. I can quite safely ride around Vilnius, from one side of the city to the other, by bike alone, which is amazing. The more cycle paths, But better. Nevertheless, there is still a shortage elsewhere. There should be more cycle paths outside the big cities. Sometimes a cyclist does not know where exactly to cycle. You cannot ride on the pavement, but when you ride on the road, car drivers beep at you and you are lost again. I am therefore strongly in favor of cycle paths. Or, at the very least, there should be a separate lane for bikes on the road. And now I will leave the final word to Rados Marinova from Bulgarian cycling NGO Velo Evolucija. They're easy to live without a car. I would say that cars are part of our daily life and we should not get rid of them completely. It's about having an equal choice. When we really need to use a car, we do. But when we can do without it, we should have other options, whether cycling or public transport, that are good enough in terms of service and infrastructure for people to feel safe and happy using them. And remember that cycling and walking have the added benefit of keeping us healthy and fit, as well as the planet. Well, it's a win-win. This will clearly not be the last time we discuss these issues in the UNet Plus Green Deal podcast. So till next time.